from Lagos, the nation's commercial capital. This is the News at 10. Live from Channels Television. Reporting tonight, Bukola Samuel Wemimo. Hello and welcome. Tonight, Nigerians to know National Assembly's position on the rejected electoral amendment bill. As the Senate says, the final decision is to be made known when the National Assembly resumes in the new year. Senate approves the same figure of 17 trillion naira also passed as budget 2022 by the House of Representatives, raising hope of continuation of the January to December budget cycle. The president launches National Development Plan 2021 to 2025, designed to promote robust development in the area of science and technology. World Health Organization warns that blanket booster programs risk prolonging the fight against COVID-19, says the world cannot boost its way out of the pandemic. Plus, international news from our London studio. On business news tonight, federal government inaugurates committee to implement joint agreement on trade disputes between Nigeria and Ghana. On sports news tonight, Governor of Lagos State, Babajide Sonwolu, receives the 2022 Nigerian University's Games Torch of Unity. As host institution, the University of Lagos begins tour across the country. And from Abuja, federal agencies destroy over one million doses of expired AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine in Abuja. For the second day in a row, we begin at the National Assembly in Abuja, where yesterday's drama and heightened expectations for today ended in an anticlimactic U-turn. The upper legislative chamber, the Senate, decided not to pursue any particular course of action with regards to President Muhammad Buhari's refusal to assent to the Electoral Act Amendment Bill 2021. The Senate President, Hamad Lawan, told his colleagues at plenary after a closed-door session that it was decided that the Senate would wait to consult with the House of Representatives on the way forward. The Senate, in a closed session, deliberated on matters relevant to the workings of the Senate in particular and the National Assembly in general. The Senate also, in the closed session, discussed how to respond to the letter from Mr. President on the electoral bill amendment. The Senate consequently resolved to consult with the House of Representatives in January when both the Senate and the House will be in session. Presently, the House of Reps has gone on recess. And like we all know, the constitutional provision 
is for the Senate and the House of Representatives to jointly take the appropriate action. The Senate also resolved to consult with our constituents during our recess in January. The Senate believes that our constituents have a role to play as the major stakeholders in the laws that we make in the National Assembly. Events of the last 48 hours could be said to be simply in the nature of legislature-executive relations in Nigeria. This relationship is characterized by both conflict and cooperation. Since 2015, though, efforts to ensure that the two arms of government are able to discharge their responsibility for the benefit of Nigerians have taken center stage but haven't always succeeded. The manner of the emergence of the leadership of the 8th National Assembly heralded the strained relationship between President Muhammad Buhari and the National Assembly. When the administration settled down to the business of governance, the acrimony between the 8th Assembly under Senator Bukola Saraki and Honorable Yakubu Dugara and the executive started to manifest. This culminated in how executive bills and requests were treated, while the executive in most cases withheld assent to important bills and disregarded motions passed by the legislature. The frosty relationship between the legislature and the executive forced the president to take interest in the leadership of the 9th National Assembly. And fortunately, the preferred candidates emerged as the Senate president and speaker of the House of Representatives. One remarkable achievement of the current assembly is the introduction of the January to December budget cycle. The executive now gets prompt approval to its requests, including borrowing and confirmation of appointments, while most of the bills that were rejected and denied assent, such as the Petroleum Industry Bill, Electoral Act Amendment Bill, and National Water Resources Bills, were reintroduced. In favor of the motion. However, that relationship appears shaky following the President's decision not to assent to the Electoral Act Amendment Bill, citing provisions of Clause 87, which provides for direct primary as the mode of selecting the candidates of political parties for any election. The leadership of Northern Assembly, as we have it today, cannot, I refuse, cannot, cannot put in the agenda of the two chambers to say they will override veto. Mr. President, decline. The present administration in August 2020 set up the Tripartite Committee, headed by Vice President Professor Yemi Oshibajo, to resolve disagreements within the ruling party, the All Progressives Congress. The committee, which has members of the legislature, the executive and APC caretaker committee as members, failed last month to agree on which mode to be adopted in selecting the candidates of political parties. And to take a further look at the issues surrounding the Electoral Amendment Bill 2021, I'm being joined on the news at 10 by a former member of the House of Representatives and senior advocate of Nigeria, Dr. Ehiogi. West Idahosa. Thank you for being with us on the News at 10. Thank you very much. I guess the most appropriate place to start would be to ask if you were taken by surprise with the president's action. 
Well, not at all, because the president's action was a political decision arising from creative tension in the political system. That's understandable. Uh, what I think is surprising is the reaction of senior lawmakers who immediately started calling to override the veto of the president, in spite of the provisions of the rules, which allow them enough time to study the reaction of the president, and then, if they do reject the reaction of the president after considering same, they can then begin to think about the possibility of overriding the veto. We are not there yet at all. We are not there. And from what you say, the choices before the National Assembly seem to be clear. Which one will you be recommending? Well, the choice is clear. Beyond the constitutional provision, which talks about the fact that the Assembly can override the veto, the rules of both houses are clear. Other 12 of the House rules, and I think 87 of the Senate rules, make it clear that when the President writes to propose amendments or to give reasons for not signing, then both houses have a duty to look at it, consider it, in the case of the Senate, by its conference committee, in the case of the House, by the House as a whole. And then at the end of that, if they are not satisfied by the reasons given, and they do think that that uh, amendment proposed by the president is totally unnecessary, a decision can be made to override the veto, and each house will then begin to work about the possibility of trying to raise to third majorities to do so. Otherwise, if they consider the amendments necessary and those reasons valid, the proper thing is to refer it back to the appropriate structure of the House, which will rework, rework the controversial clause or the obstructional clause and resent same to the president for his assent. He hasn't quite said, I'm refusing in totality. He has given conditional refusal to give that accent. Speaking of overriding veto, for clarity's sake, we heard a lawyer saying that what is needed to override a presidential veto is a simple majority of lawmakers present at a sitting. As a senior lawyer, please clear the air on this. No, absolutely, that's not correct. Section 58, subsection 5 of the Constitution is very clear. Order 12, Rule 12 of the House Rules is clear. And Order 78 of the Senate Rules is also very clear. It's an absolute two-third majority by each House. It's not a Tea Party. It's not a plaything at all. Again, for clarity's sake, what is the difference between declining assent and a veto? Well, now, politically speaking, it's the same thing. But for, for the purpose of convenience, let's say that uh, I am declining this accent, I am not signing this bill, but I have my reasons for doing so. And I am not signing this bill at all. I have no obligation to sign it. It's an outright veto, unconditional veto. It's not common in the political arena, but it, okay, it can happen. Now, so if you find a situation where I have my reasons for not signing this, and these are the reasons, once you look at those reasons, please get back to me, I will then sign. Uh, that, that's a much understandable situation, and that's where we are right now. And that's what, I, what we call uh, conditional decline or conditional withholding of assent. And then, of course, there have been occasions where presidents refuse to sign or give their assent and give no reason at all. That's unconditional withholding of assent, and there's nothing to talk about, no negotiation, no filibustering, 
nothing at all. So in that case, probably both sides begin to weigh their chances. Are we strong enough to get an override of this veto? Or do we surrender uh, and come back again? So two in one now, in your own view, which exactly has the president done? Conditional veto or the, absolute veto? Yeah, the and then you heard Governor Wike say yeah. that this assembly can never override the president. What do you think, if you can take that in one breath? I, well, what the president has done is, uh, is give me a conditional with, uh, withholding of his accent. Uh, it's, not, it's never so easy to say this assembly can never override Veto. When we did so in 19, uh, in 2001 or there about on the NDDC, well, no one thought we could do that. So politics is dynamic. It is possible uh, that um, for many reasons that th that override can take place. And it's also possible that for political negotiation reasons, the override can be whittled down and may never take place. So uh, it's still a free-for-all situation. But, but this particular assembly has never overridden the president before now? Would it, would it take place? Do you Even see it happening? Stronger assemblies haven't done that. This is quite, I mean, this is quite a weak assembly, everybody knows. Uh, the, the perception is also very low in public estimation. So the possibility and probability of an override is less believable, but it's not impossible. So before we let you go now, going forward, how do you suggest we avoid these kinds of executive legislative confrontations? Well, it will always be there. It's part of what Bill Clinton told us at that time was part of the creating tension in the legislative community. But what I think is going on now is that there is a very pragmatic approach to resolve this responsibly and amicably in the interest of the nation. And that's why I'm happy to see both houses talking about looking at the, uh, uh, the qualifications already given, the definitions given by the president, and then getting back to the constituents and then getting back to see how they can get this bill signed is critical in defense of our, the sanctity of our electoral system. It's a critical bill. So direct primaries or not, the most important thing is to protect the electronic transmission of results. That's the target, and the eyes must be on the target. Dr. Ehiogi West Idahosa, thank you very much for your time and thoughts on the News at 10 on Channels Television. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. In part two after the break, Senate passes 17 trillion naira 2022 budget a day after the House of Representatives approved the same. Stay with us. Welcome back. If you've just joined us, you're watching the news at 10 live on channels, television, Lagos. Here's a reminder of our top stories. Nigerians to know National Assembly's position on the rejected electoral amendment bill, as the Senate says the final decision is to be made known when the National Assembly resumes in the new year. Senate approves the same figure of 17 trillion naira, also passed as budget 2022 by the House of Representatives, raising hope of continuation of the January to December budget cycle. And the president launches National Development Plan 2021 to 2025, designed to promote robust development in the area of science and technology. World Health Organization warns that blanket booster programs risk prolonging the fight against COVID-19.
the Senate did accomplish something important today, and that is it passed the 2022 appropriation bill with the same figures as those of the House of Representatives, which had passed its version yesterday before embarking on a Christmas and New Year recess. Our correspondent, Linda Akigbe, reports on details of what transpired on the subject. It's the final plenary session for the year in the Senate. And the upper chamber is in a hurry to pass the 2022 appropriation bill in line with its promise to continue with the practice of a one-year budget cycle in the country. It retains majority of the estimates presented by President Buhari in the budget, but increases the benchmark price of crude from 57 to $62 per barrel. The increase in oil benchmark from $57 per barrel to $62 per barrel to reflect the current market value in the international market. Debt service, 3.9 trillion. The upper chamber increases the budget deficit by 98 billion naira to include requests made by the executive for some projects not provided for in the budget and could not be covered by the increase in revenue. The committee recommends that the additional revenues discovered should be provided to following agencies that forwarded their request for more funding for very critical projects. Works and Housing, Independent National Electoral Commission, INEC, for the 2023 general elections, Defense, and the National Population Commission, NPC, for the 2022 population census. For the 2022 appropriation bill, we are expecting that the bill will be cleaned up between today and tomorrow, and we hope that by tomorrow, the bill will be sent to Mr. President for his assent. The Senate also approves President Buhari's request for the environment of 276.7 billion naira to fund expenditures in the 2021 budget. The environment request is for the payment of contractors, public service wage adjustment for MDAs, funds for the Ministry of Education, Nigeria Air Force, Defence and FEMA. The Senate then adjourns to the 18th of January 2022. Linda Kibi, Channels Television News. And as a corollary to passing the budget 2022, the Senate also extended the lifespan of implementation of the capital budget 2021 till January 2022. This development has not made everyone happy. And one of those unhappy is the lead director of the Center for Social Justice, Mr. Eze Oyekwere, who picked holes in the decision. He, however, applauded the quick passage of Budget 2022. It's a welcome development that the budget has been passed uh, before the beginning of the new year. And with the hope that uh, the two chambers will harmonize whatever differences that have arisen and of course for the president to give assent so that the budget starts on January 1 of 2022. However, it's been reported in the media that uh, I think it's the Senate that has extended the 2021 budget to operate to, for, to an extent in the beginning of next year. But that's sending a rather not too good signal because the 2021 budget is supposed to end on the midnight of uh, December 31. Uh, 2021. So, in essence, it's a welcome development, but uh, part of the challenges we had with the budget was uh, the size of the budget. Not necessarily that divided per capita that that money 
was going to be sufficient for over 200 million people. But the source of the funding, a lot of deficit and a lot of expectation that uh, the budget will be funded from borrowed money. So that's the key challenge. Debt service has been consuming more than 80, in fact, between 80 and 90 percent recently of uh, all the money we've made, or what we call retained revenue. So if that trajectory continues in 2022, that will be extremely unfortunate because what will happen is that it will crowd out other expenditure, whether it's capital and infrastructure, whether it is social services in health and education. So it still portends a challenge because we have a situation where our debt profile is rising. As you are borrowing more, you also have to make a larger chunk of your revenue available to be able to service or pay back the debts over time. So that's an unfortunate scenario. And while the National Assembly appeared to be the focus of attention, there was much happening elsewhere. At the presidential villa, President Muhammadu Buhari, ahead of the Federal Executive Council meeting, formally launched the National Development Plan 2021 to 2025. Our State House correspondent, Gloria Umezuki, reports. In yet another move by the federal government to reinforce the nation's developmental purpose, a 2021-2025 National Development Plan approved by the Federal Executive Council in November is launched. Thank you very much. The presentation of this latest medium-term strategy, which succeeds the Economic Growth and Development Plan 2017 to 2020, is symbolic, according to the Finance Minister, to halt years of documented failure in some aspects of the nation's economy. The plan seeks to invest massively in infrastructure, ensure macroeconomic stability, enhance the investment environment, improve on social indicators and living conditions tackle climate change mitigation, adaptation, and resilience strategies, amongst others. Since 1960, Nigeria has adopted no less than four national development plans as a pathway to actual development that ended with diminished hopes. Now we have a plan in place for 2021 that is further aimed principally at ensuring that the gains have been consolidated and Nigerians are being continuously included. This government, more than any other, have taken deliberate active steps to include all economic groups and support them. At a briefing, the finance ministry admits previous plans were lacking, but exploring this all-encompassing six-clustered plan is guaranteed to broaden the nation's economic gains. This plan also has a financing plan uh, to increase revenue to 15% of GDP. Currently, uh, revenue to GDP is 7%. It can be recalled that a Vision 202020 was previously launched to make Nigeria one of the biggest economies in the world, but that came with its loopholes that became major drawbacks. And the federal government insists this will be different, would not be vulnerable this time around. But this leaves Nigerians with a lot of expectations, particularly in the face of the morass of challenges facing the country. From the presidential villa, Gloria Omezuke, Channels Television News. And time now for more on the news at 10 from our Abuja studio. And my colleague, Linda Akibe, is set to take us through. Hello, Linda. Hello, Bukola. So let's continue monitoring the management of COVID-19 in the country.
Over 1 million doses of the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine have been destroyed by the National Agency for Food and Drug Administration and Control, NAFDAQ, and the National Primary Healthcare Development Agency in Abuja. The vaccine doses were part of the over 2 million received in the country on October the 11th and 29th, 2021. Our correspondent, Emperor Simon, reports. The truck conveying the expired COVID-19 vaccines arrives at the Goza dumping site located two kilometers away from the Idu train station in Abuja. 1,066,214 doses of the vaccines are to be destroyed. They are part of the 2,594,100 doses of AstraZeneca vaccine received by Nigeria on the 11th and 29th of October 2021, out of which 1,527,886 doses were said to have been utilized. Have successfully withdrawn. The executive secretary of the National Primary Health Care Development Agency and the director general of the National Agency for Food and Drug Administration and Control, NAVDAC, give details on the expired vaccines. We had developed countries that procured these vaccines and hoarded them in their stores. At the point that they were about to expire, they were offered for donations. If something happens, we can recall through our track and trace setting, and if it expires, not our fault, NAPDAC will receive it. Every bit of the expired products is crushed to pieces to ensure they do not get into the wrong hands. Many of these vaccines were donated to Nigeria almost at the time they were about expiring, raising the question of whether Developing countries like Nigeria are now being turned into dumping sites for COVID-19 vaccine. We have to do a better job of ensuring equitable supply of the COVID-19 vaccine. According to the National Primary Healthcare Development Agency, less than 10 million Nigerians have been vaccinated, as vaccine hesitancy remains a major challenge in Nigeria. Yet. The authorities are hoping to vaccinate 110 million people by the end of 2022. As Nigeria continues to make efforts to get more people vaccinated, one only wonders how long it will take the country to exhaust its current stock of vaccines to avoid a repeat of this exercise. Emperor Simon, Channels Television News. And still ahead on the news at 10, Governor Ganduji calls for calm following court judgment on ward and local government congresses in Kanu State. Plus, federal government inaugurates committee to implement joint agreement on trade disputes between Nigeria and Ghana. That's in business news. Join us again. Welcome back to the News at 10, coming to you live from Abuja. For about a week now, the River State Government has been commissioning one project after another 
Today was no exception as Governor Nielsen Wike flagged off the Oyibo Okoloma Road in Oyibo local government area. At the event, Governor Wike explained the issues that led to the recent change in the leadership of the People's Democratic Party, arguing that he is indifferent over the mode of party primaries. The special guest and national chairman of the PDP, Senator Iyochayu, who flagged up the road project, commended Governor Wike's leadership role while taking a swipe at the ruling APC. After more than a week of projects, inaugurations and flag-offs across River State, Governor Yeson Wike is in Oyibo local government area for the flag-off of yet another project, the 19.4-kilometer Oyibo Koloma Road. To perform the exercises, the newly inaugurated national chairman of the People's Democratic Party, Senator Yacha Yu, who uses the opportunity to challenge the federal government on the management of the economy and security. I am happy the governor has challenged the federal government to show us Nigerians exactly what they are doing with the money they are borrowing all over the world. Because as a party, we paid off during General Olusegun Obasanjo's presidency nearly all the commercial debt, over 30 billion debt. We paid part of the debt. I was part of the Federal Executive Council at the time. The debts were paid off and Nigeria was almost debt free. For Governor Yeson Wike, the PDP represents the best alternative for Nigerians as he urges the party to strengthen its internal democracy, amongst other things. <laughs> One of the reasons why we fought without any apologies to anybody anywhere, why we must have a change of leadership in the hierarchy of the party, because we knew without, without leadership of the party come 2023, we're all going to be doomed. And it was clear, and some of us rose and stood up and said, no, we will not wait. It doesn't matter whether the person is anybody from River State or not. What is important for us is for PDP to have a good leadership to fight for the change of leadership in this country come 2023. The reconstruction of the Oyibo Koloma Road will be a major facelift for Oyibo local government area and boost the weaker administration's policy on ease of doing business. Now to the crisis rocking the All Progressives Congress in Kano State. Governor Umar Ganduje is calling for calm, describing the situation as normal party crisis. Governor Ganduje was speaking after a stakeholders meeting of members loyal to his own faction of the party at the government house. This was called following the two judgments from a court in Abuja upholding the ward and local government congresses held in Kano by the Senator Ibrahim Shekarao-led faction of the APC. Governor Ganduji emphasized the need to remain focused on developing the state and not distracted by court actions. During the meeting, Senator Kabiru Gaya, representing Kanu South and other party stalwarts, pledged their unflinching loyalty to his administration. To security matters, the governor of Ebony State has inaugurated the state command of Ibubagu, a regional security outfit created to protect the lives and property of residents in the southeast. In his address at the ceremony in Abakaliki, the state's capital, Governor Dave Umahi promised that everything will be done to ensure that the outfit meets the expectations of residents of the state. 
The Baurutangeli Township Stadium, Abakalike, is the venue of the inauguration of the Ebonyi State Wing of the Ebubeago Security Outfit. And the state governor, David Umai, and members of the state executive council, security chiefs, as well as other guests, turned out for the event. This ceremony is coming months after governments in the Southeast Zone agreed to set up a security unit to assist other state actors to stamp out all forms of security breaches in the region. Before the inauguration of the outfit, there is a brief display by operatives of the group. In his address at the launch of Ibubeagu, Governor David Umayi says the event marks a watershed in the state government's drive to protect lives and property of law-abiding citizens. Let me say that what we have here is very lawful and will continue to be for the benefit of our people. Session 8, subsection 12 says the agency shall, in the course of carrying out his duties, safeguard the human rights of every person in line with the Constitution. And so let me say that the outfit is not politically motivated by those who have been sponsoring insecurity in the state and who are afraid of the outfit can go to court to challenge the law. While appreciating governors of the Southeast region, Traditional rulers, the clergy, as well as residents of the states for their cooperation, Governor Umayi explains that Ibubayago is not an alternative to the police force. This is an outfit that is totally under the tutelage, supervision, monitoring, directives, and obedience to the police force. There shall be no altercation, there is no superiority, fight you are told here by the chief security officer which is me that you are under the police force meanwhile the Boeing state government has absolved itself of any complicity in the disappearance of five engineers and two police personnel who went missing in the oaku local government area of the state weeks ago that's all from abuja back to you bukola Thank you, Linda. What activities do you have lined up for the holidays? Well, Eco Hotels and Suites Management says it has a lineup of fun events in its tropical Christmas candy land to thrill fun seekers during this holiday. The hotel has also raised the stake for this year's edition with the introduction of the Big Bounce House, a mega bouncy castle for all ages, featuring some of the most unique and exciting custom-built attractions. Eco Hotels and Suites has kicked off days of glitz and colorful Christmas celebration with this tropical Christmas wonderland for families. A series of planned activities are lined up, sensational karaoke recital, Santa procession, buffet, tropical Christmas party and the Big Bounce House. Chance Bouncy Castle offers a wide range of entertainment with obstacles taking the children on a whole different experience. They jump, climb through the obstacles, run and slide in the free space, and can even choose to throw into the basketball hoops. 
first time I'm seeing a bouncing castle where there's like football, like you can play around and do stuff, where you can slide around and do crazy things, like stunts and every other thing. This is my third day here. Actually, we are, we are driving, so my kids are, look, daddy, let's go to this place and see. So we came here two days ago, and honestly, we like it, and it's been our, for the past three days, it's been our regular. Children and even parents are already jumping on the excitement. You see a lot of bicycle soles, you know, that are just like 10 to 10 feet, but the difference is the size. You'd never see this in Africa, not, not nowhere in Africa. Trust me, Nigeria is the only place, Eco Hotel, that you see it. It's a 40 by 40 meter bouncy castle. And we have a DJ booth in there. We're going to have a bounce party on the 25th. Like, trust me, it's going to be amazing. The management of the hotel says it is bringing more excitement this season as the hotel goes beyond hospitality to create holiday destination and tourist attractions. Over the last four years, um, the management of Eco Hotel and Suites has seen need to start to invest locally, um, create a holiday destination for people to come and enjoy everything that they possibly could enjoy if they went abroad. From Thursday, December 23, holiday makers will be treated to a wonderful Christmas experience with different packages that would allow them to have a splendid time on the backdrop of tropical themes. Sure to look forward to. And up next on the News at 10 is Business News with Teniola Shobowali. Thanks a lot, Bukola. Welcome to Business News. The federal government has announced the inauguration of an interministerial committee to implement a joint agreement on trade disputes with Ghana. The agreement follows the outcome of a high-level bilateral meeting between the Minister of Industry, Trade and Investment and his Ghanaian counterpart held between May the 31st and June the 2nd. According to Nigeria's Minister of Trade, Industry, Trade and Investment, Mr. Adini Adebayo, both parties seek to formalize trade and investment relations, as well as address other critical issues between the two countries. Members of the committee include representatives of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Nigeria Customs Service, Nigeria Immigration Service, Standards Organization of Nigeria, Nigeria Export Promotion Council, Nigerians in Diaspora Commission, among others. Following the passage of the 2022 budget by both the House of Representatives and the Senate, there's been reactions following the increase of the budget from about 16.9 trillion to 17.12 trillion naira. For the Chief Executive Officer of the Center for the Promotion of Private Enterprise, Dr. Muda Yusuf, the budget is rather ambitious and may be difficult to fund. The equities market moved further into negative territory at the close of today's session, with the benchmark index dropping by 0.34% following investors' waning risk appetite. Will Ibong tells us more. Hello and welcome to the Stock Market Report. All things seem to point to a rebound after the slight pullback in Tuesday's trading session. But here we are. <laughs> the all-share index plunged a 0.34% drag down by MTN Nigeria, Lafarge, and some tier one banking stocks. 
Let's break it down. MTN shares fell 1.34%, shedding two naira 50 kobo off its share price. Cement giant Lafarge pulled back 3.37%, while FBN Holdings closed down 1.64% to end the day. Ultimately, these weighed on the sectors as the banking index sank 1% and the industrial goods fell by 0.21%. Meanwhile, UAC Nigeria defended its level on the top trades chart at about 77 million units of shares traded today. Still not much to be desired as the activity chart registered lower turnover when compared to yesterday. However, it was still a positive market breadth. Well, it's two trading days before Christmas. The benchmark remains under pressure Let's hope the biggest gains comes in before 2022. And that's the Stock Market Report. I'm Willie Bong. Back to you. Definitely do hope so, Will. Meanwhile, other major global equities closed positive today as investors continue to monitor the Omicron risk. Let's check out their closing numbers today. And that's business news tonight. It's back to Bukola for the rest of the news at 10. Thank you, Teddy. And coming up next, World Health Organization warns that blanket booster programs risk prolonging the fight against COVID-19. And more international news from our London studio. Stay with us. Welcome back. The World Health Organization, WHO, says the rush in wealthy countries to roll out additional COVID vaccine doses is deepening the inequity in access to jabs that is prolonging the pandemic. For more international news, here's Simon Pusey with Around the World in Five. Good evening and welcome to the Channel Studios here in London with your international news around the world in five. Dutch prosecutors have called for life imprisonment for three Russians and a Ukrainian charged with shooting down Malaysia Airlines flight MH17 in 2014. They say the defendants, who are all at large, helped supply a missile system that pro-Russian separatists used to fire a rocket at the flight. At that moment, detoneert a warhead from a book rocket. International investigators announced charges against the four suspects in June 2019. All 298 passengers died on board the flight, which was hit by a surface-to-air missile. The next hearing will take place on March the 7th, when the defence will present its closing arguments. European leaders are reinstating coronavirus restrictions as the new Omicron variant continues to spread across the continent. Germany and Portugal are among nations announcing post-Christmas curbs and greater social distancing measures. Meanwhile, Spain has reported its highest daily number of cases since the start of the pandemic, and France has warned daily cases there could soon pass 100,000. In Wales, groups of no more than six people will be allowed to meet in pubs, cinemas and restaurants from the 26th of December. The EU has started legal steps against Poland over the country's constitutional court ruling. Bonjour, bienvenue. 
European Commissioner Paolo Gentiloni told a news conference the rulings deprived individuals in Polish courts of their legal guarantees in the Treaty of the European Union. It is an escalation of the conflict with Warsaw over the rule of law that began when Poland's ruling nationalist and Eurosceptic Law and Justice Party took power in 2015. The European Union is a community of values and of law, and the rights of the Europeans under the treaties must be protected, no matter where they live in the Union. As many as 100 people are missing after a landslide at a jade mine in Myanmar. The landslide occurred in the Hakant area of northern Kachin state and is believed to have been caused by an overflow of rubble discarded from lorries to open pit mines. Rescue teams are desperately searching for people in a nearby lake, with most victims believed to be illegal miners. One person has been confirmed dead. South Korean small business owners have held a rally in central Seoul to protest against tighter curbs ahead of the holiday season and called for compensation. About 500 business owners gathered in front of the government complex and chanted slogans such as abolish curbs and compensate loss. They also tore copies of business licenses on stage and said they cannot afford to follow another curfew. Last week, authorities announced a series of social distancing measures lasting until at least January the 2nd. Manchester City defender Benjamin Mendy has been charged with another count of rape in addition to earlier charges of rape and sexual assault. The 27-year-old has now been accused of eight offences against five women, which includes seven counts of rape. The charges against Mendy are alleged to have taken place between October 2020 and August 2021. Mendy last played for City against Tottenham Hotspur on August the 15th and was suspended by the Premier League club later that month. Spaniards have got in line early for the draw of the annual Christmas lottery known as El Gordo. <laughs> the audience has been allowed to return for the first time since the coronavirus pandemic hit in March 2020. Many of them had been in the queue for over a day and were wearing elaborate fancy dress costumes. The over 200-year-old lottery pays out up to 400,000 euros for every 20 euros wagered. And finally, scientists have announced the discovery of a perfectly preserved dinosaur embryo that was preparing to hatch from its egg just like a chicken. The fossil shows the embryo of a toothless theropod dinosaur, or oviraptorosaur, in a curled position which is known as tucking, which is behavior seen in birds shortly before they hatch. The embryo was discovered in Guangzhou in southern China, and researchers estimate it is at least 66 million years old. Researchers say it is the best dinosaur embryo ever found in history. And that's your international news around the world in five. Now back to the Channel Studios in Lagos. And welcome to Sports News. Thank you, Simon. Now, ahead of the March the 16th, 2022 Nigerian University Games, the governor of Lagos State, Babajide Somolu, earlier today received the torch of unity at Lagos House Marina. The governor congratulated the delegation led by the vice chancellor of the university, Professor Toyin Ogundikwe, for getting the hosting rights of the Games. And he is confident the sports would further bring about unity and togetherness. In the Nigerian Women's Football League, match day three games played this evening. Delta Queens defeated Sunshine Queens to pick their first win of the season. 
Newcomers Nigel Rattels continued their impressive run this season with a 5-2 win against Adamawa Queens. Well, you can see other results from other games on the screen. And that's it on Sports News. It's back to book you with the rest of the news at 10. Thank you, Victor. And the main news again. The Senate President Hamid Lawan today said Nigerians will know the National Assembly's position on the electoral amendment bill rejected by the president, just as he explained that the final decision will be revealed when plenary resumes in the new year. And that's it on the News at 10 today. Thank you for watching. And from all of us here, it's good night.